Welcome to the podcast of the Pilates Alliance of Australasia. The PAA strives to continue promoting the expansion of the Pilates method as a professional and valued healthcare and fitness discipline. The goal of the PAA podcast is to explore the many facets and layers of the Pilates industry through conversations with the community. I'm your host, Bruce Hildebrand. Welcome to the show. In the lead up to the PAA conference happening in September this year, we have a series of short podcast episodes to introduce each of the workshop presenters. On today's call, we were privileged to speak with two of our international presenters, Cara Risa and Jeremy Lavadier. A brief introduction is only ever going to be the tip of the iceberg for these two. Both Cara and Jeremy are richly informed from movement backgrounds across dance, yoga, Feldenkrais and physical therapy, along with many years in Pilates. Movement Science Made Simple is Cara and Jeremy's collective offering. Cara also upholds the lineage of the Kathleen Stanford Grant work and was the force behind creating the Heritage Training and an instrumental contributor to the Pilates Anytime Legacy Project. Jeremy is a physical therapist with recognition as an orthopedic clinical specialist, was an owner of Sixth Street Pilates in New York City for 13 years and is trained in the dance-related Klein technique, focusing on the essence, identity and integrity of human movement. Car and Jeremy are presenting two workshops at the conference titled Arm Standing, Building Support from Hand to Shoulder, and One Size Doesn't Fit All, Honoring Variations in Lower Extremity Structure. Car and Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks it's great us. to be here. Cara, we'll start with you. Could you give us a quick overview of the Hand to Shoulder workshop you have in store for us at the upcoming PAA conference? Yeah. We have found that Pilates teachers and students often have a hard time with weight bearing on their hands, especially when they're in that extreme extension. And they're often just go right to an alternative. We think that it's really a better approach to build tolerance there. So we're going to be looking at different ways that we can strengthen the forearm and the hand, create some adaptability in the hand to help with tolerating weight bearing on the arms. Uh, We're going to look at places where folks tend towards elbow hyperextension and run into trouble with that. And we're going to look at ways of working with motor control and ways to help with that as well. We're also going to be focusing on looking at ways to manage the scapular movement when we're arm standing in various positions. So with the arms forward, overhead, and behind us, and really get a good sense of how from the hand to the shoulder organize all that stuff with the elbow in the middle, keep it all together so we can get more confident in the weight-bearing work on the hands. We're going to primarily be using the low chair because it's such a good vehicle for this in the Pilates environment to come up with protocols and ways of working with this in that course. Sounds fantastic. If there was anything I took away from the presentations I came to with you back at the 2019 PAA conference, Cara, it was certainly not a case of tiptoeing around the situation. It was very much deep diving and getting to unpack and really get some resolution in lots of things. Great. We're going to unpack and do that. Even though we're going to be on Zoom, we're deep diving on Zoom for sure. Sounds great. And Jeremy, could you give us a quick overview of the lower extremity workshop you have planned for the conference? Yeah, thanks, Bruce. We're going to look at some of the very normal variations in people's skeletal structure in their lower extremity. And because it's only a few hours, we're going to be really zooming in on the transverse plane, which means in the hips, 
the amount of internal versus external rotation that people have. Some people's knees and their toes point in different directions. People have a tremendous amount of variability in the structure of their lower legs and their feet. And that can be confusing to work with in Pilates. We tend to move in one direction at a time in Pilates. So we're going to think about understanding when people are really up against a limitation in their skeletal structure and we can't really expect much change, right? How to sort of modify or customize our Pilates protocols for those people, which is a lot of people because everybody's on a spectrum moving out from average. We're going to look at ways to balance the way we work with people's musculature so that they have strength in whatever their specific kind of variation is and also as many options as possible given their particular structure. And we're also going to look at ways to think more three-dimensionally about the legs whenever we're teaching Pilates so that we don't get stuck in that one plane or one-dimensional thinking with our work with people's lower extremities. Sounds great. When I first read your description of this workshop, it certainly jumped off the page to me at the transverse plane through the lower extremities because it's obviously the less commonly examined part of it. And I think it speaks volumes of your and Cara's approach to looking at things a bit left field and, and really pulling them apart to make sure that we address such an important rotational aspect of what happens in the leg. Absolutely. And that phrase, one size doesn't fit all, is something that Kara says all the time and that Kathy Grant I used to say all the time. And it really applies to this. Fantastic. I was in the early stages of my Pilates when I ran the 2002 London Marathon, and I wish that I had you guys on tap at that point to understand the implications of running much better rather than just linearly, of course. Can you share with us the background experiences or the specific learnings that you had yourselves that were the catalyst to creating the content for these conference workshops? Jeremy and I are both dancers and longtime yoga But I think for both of us, we've spent years being fascinated arm standing with handstands and with planks and with side planks and with back planks and things that we do in those practices and different ways to improve our ability and efficiency with more ease. And so I think over the years, we've both investigated ways to be more successful through strength training, through doing drills, through having more motor awareness, for bringing the hands in. And that over time, that self-exploration has been part of what's allowed us to really have more confidence with clients when they're just like, I don't want to be on my hands like that. And they want to drop right down to their forearms to say, hey, let's go through these little drills. We don't have to stay up too long, but let's build some tissue tolerance here and let's get you more confident. So I think for Jeremy and I always, it's a lot through our own physical practice practice, both shared and separate, that sort of gets us excited when we're building a course through personal practice. And then also, of course, studying with a lot of amazing movement teachers who've inspired us over the years and who've pushed our learning forward as well. Great. And for you, Jeremy? Yeah, I think Kara's alluded to something, which is that the jumping off point for our courses usually is from our own personal movement practices and or from what we come up against as teachers, right, as movement teachers in the Pilates studio or in the physical therapy clinic. So with respect to the lower extremity course, I think we both have had the experience that we just found that sometimes the things we were doing with our clients were not working. And we had to start thinking differently about how people actually use their lower extremities. We come from these traditions like Pilates, like yoga, like dance, where legs are supposed to look a certain way. Historically, we're taught this expectation that everybody's going to have a certain kind of alignment and people just don't. And we both, through trial and error, and mostly a lot of error, arrived at a place where we both just felt like we have to rethink this. And I think we arrived at those places separately. And then we started to talk 
about what we wanted to say about lower extremity, that was a, a big part. We really have to be able to see these variations differently, not as aberrations, but as a normal variety that people have and to be able to fit them into Pilates so that if people are having the full Pilates experience, even though they don't fit exactly into the box. Could you give us a quick highlights reel, Cara, for those considering coming onto the workshops at the conference? What are the key things they're going to be walking away with? Yeah, I, first of all, everybody will walk away with material, protocols, drills, things to practice. But from a concept point of view, I think with the upper extremity course, one of the things we want to really impart is that we want people to think into coaching people into load tolerance in their tissue. That instead of just always giving the person out, like how do you work with the body itself, with the tissue itself and build load tolerance? And what are the ways in which you can do that safely? also, how do you work with people's avoidances? How do you work with people's fear and their tendencies to want to hedge back? It's a twofold kind of thing in terms of tolerance. It's a tolerance in the tissue with standing on the arms, but it's also building that person's confidence and that sense that they can do it. We believe that tendons should be loaded to stay healthy and strong. And we hate to see people start to give up options when we know we can give them more options if we dose it in correctly. And then for the variations in the lower extremity, one size doesn't fit all. We really want to help Pilates teachers work with what's there and not get caught into sort of get your foot in the same plane as your knee and everything needs to be lined up because everybody isn't lined up. And a lot of times when we're asking for that, we're actually forcing people into positions that are not really available and certainly not comfortable. So I think the biggest takeaway there is freedom. Let's know enough to know that it's structural. And when it is structural, let's give ourselves permission to get out of the box and let people be rotated in ways and not expect this sort of linear thing all the time. We want to work with what's there and not always what we were taught to do, break out of the box a little bit and really have a little bit more compassion and understanding for variety. Fantastic. What I'm hearing loud and clear is that the more you develop into your experience with teaching, the more you have the confidence to be able to look at each body individually and each situation uniquely and be able to back yourself that you might try these little things. And I've heard you both speak about learning so much through the years from your students, along with obviously your teachers through your various modalities. So very interesting to hear you talk about that. Great. Thank you. Jeremy, what will the participants be able to immediately apply with their clients when they return to work on the Monday morning after the conference? Yeah, as Kara said, we always provide plenty of protocols or exercises, movement schemes, and they are tailored to whatever it is we're talking about. We're talking about specific scenarios or specific individuals that people might actually say, oh, exactly the person that I'm going to use that with this week because I, I have that person in my studio and I haven't quite known what to do with them. So I think there's going to be a fair amount of that. But at the same time, there are always also protocols that you can apply just in your general practice. If you're somebody who teaches a lot of group classes, there are usually ways that you can take what we've given and and use it to flesh out what you're doing with a whole group. It doesn't have to be about fixing a specific problem. Like everybody's always going to need to build up the strength in their forearm and their hands if you want to have your group classes doing weight bearing on the arms. Every group class could benefit from some new ways of working with the lower extremity and strengthening three-dimensionally. So we're going to give you things for that specific client that you've been having trouble with and also stuff that you can use in every group class that you work with or with every client that you work with that maybe isn't having trouble, but you just want more repertoire to freshen up your Pilates teaching. 
Fantastic. I'm hearing loud and clear that I'm going to walk away with lots of things to apply in my own body as well. And obviously trying those on for myself and then seeing how it really lands and how I can process it to then maybe help out my client in a specific situation. Absolutely. And it's always about putting it into our own bodies, working with the ideas and the material, and then passing on to our clients what really works for us. Excellent. And Cara, I mentioned earlier that you were very warmly received at the 2019 PAA conference, where I was lucky enough to participate in a number of the sessions. And you shared with us how important it was to you to continue sharing your learnings from the special time you had with Kathleen Stanford Grant. Can you tell us more about the impact that Movement Science Made Simple and the heritage training programs that you offer are having on the worldwide Pilates community? Yeah, it's a really beautiful question because it's about legacy and heritage. And I think it's so important. I think number one with the heritage training, it's bringing the awareness of Kathy and her work and her contributions, which were quite different than some of the others in many ways. And the sort of way in which she was really interested in making sure that people were building the skills from the very micro level to be able to perform Pilates protocols, that you didn't go into Pilates just out of nowhere, but that you were building, it was complicated motor learning and little skills of breath and small movements. So I hope that people coming out of that training worldwide are feeling more at ease with a variety of clients working with people who are less able or more elderly and can't necessarily always just jump in and do the teaser. So I hope it's rounding out that beyond just passing on the beauty of her work and her character. And movement science made simple. My feeling is what the takeaway for our students who are doing the programming is that they're, again, they have, they're more confident, right? They're learning from Jeremy more about the anatomy and the biomechanics. We're talking about pain science and the way that we have to deal with the individual, not just their body, but the person in front of us. Like, what are they going through and how can we really effectively improve their lives and their movement by that larger picture? And we're also trying to help Pilates teachers know more about the people who come in by understanding more about common pathologies that you might see in the Pilates environment or ways to, again, help people build tolerance and confidence as movers, right? So we're really hoping that through both of these sets of programs, that the students have more options in the studio, they feel more confident, and they're able to reach more people more of the time. Beautiful. Thank you for expanding on that. And for you, Jeremy, I've heard you speak of how aligned you find your physical therapy training was with how Kara was working with people's bodies when you first met. I understand you danced in Kara's dance company at one point. Yeah, that is true. I've known Kara for a really long time and I learned to teach Pilates. Kara was a big influence on that, right? Mm. So I did a lot of my observation and my training in her studio while I was getting my replication. You described it as a light bulb moment that you really found quite profound when you first met Cara, because the physical therapy world has been working alongside Pilates for many years now. So I'm interested to hear the perspective on what you held as your vision with Movement Science Made Simple that was going to bring to the world what was not already being done and subsequently some of the learnings from your success in the program since you've been running it now since 2014. 
Yeah, so I went back to school to become a physical therapist when I was in my 30s. So I'd already been teaching Pilates for a while. And I had this sort of insight very early on that what Kara was teaching, in particular, the ideas and exercises that she had taken from Kathy and expanded upon how all of that was really smart from the point of view of this deeper look at anatomy and biomechanics. So the original impulse behind Movement Science Made Simple was really to illuminate that work through this lens of physical therapy, just to name why it was so smart or what was so special about it, and to use that as a way to expand upon it a little bit more. So the language that Kathy used and that Kara uses was uh, really profound from an anatomical perspective, but wasn't anatomical. It's often more poetic or imagistic. And that's something that we really strive to maintain in movement science made simple. So it's not that we're taking physical therapy and Pilates and trying to make Pilates more like physical therapy, particularly. It's really important to us that we keep that sort of richness of Pilates as a movement practice, which means keeping space for poetry and keeping space for imagery and keeping space for the whole person, but also having enough knowledge on the science side or the strictly speaking reality to be able to use all of that poetry and that imagery and all of the richness of Pilates as a movement practice. I went to physical therapy school, not because I wanted to be a physical therapist, but because I wanted to be a Pilates teacher who knew what physical therapists knew. We both are really committed still to the idea of Pilates as a movement practice. And one of the things that sometimes happens, I think, as a result of the marriage of physical therapy and Pilates is that Pilates can fall into a trap that is inherent in physical therapy, which is to start to treat people as different parts or to start to focus too much on a single body part or on the, the problems. So we want to make sure that we're keeping, again, the idea of Pilates as a whole practice and not as just an adjunct to physical therapy or something that's trying to be physical therapy, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And I really love where you're at with your partnership with Jeremy Cara. I was also fortunate to work alongside physiotherapists for a majority of my Pilates teaching career so far, and it is an absolute privilege to be able to be in that conversation together and, and share, the, I think, the ideal goal of outcomes for your clients, but in a, such a beautifully complimentary way. Yeah, I totally agree. Before Jeremy, I worked 10 years with a different physical therapist in a practice, and it was such a profound experience for me to realize also how much I didn't know, how much there was to know, and how much was changing all the time in my knowing, and that being flexible with that. I think there's something about you know being around people with greater expertise and in departments allows you to be a little bit more flexible with the fact that it's okay that you don't know everything. It's okay that we lean on different people. We refer out to people. I think it's a really important way to be gracious and humble and still effective. So yes, it is an honor to be working with Jeremy in this way. And it's an honor to come back to the PAA. I have to say, I know you don't get second timers all the time. So I'm really delighted to be invited again. I will really miss the koala bears this time and the kangaroos, I feel, and the parrots. There's a lot of things that I feel sad about, but it's going to be great to be with you guys. Fantastic. And Jeremy, I, I see a similarity there. I got to a certain point in my early Pilates teaching where I did consider the track that you have taken, which is to take on a physiotherapy or physical therapy training. However, I was given some incredible advice at the time by my future business partner of 10 years to stick to my guns and stick to my track because she gave me the advice that I actually knew enough as a Pilates teacher to be still very effective. 
I was fortunate to continue working with her for an additional 10 or 15 years after she gave me that advice. So it was a wonderful partnership. I think the, the partnership between the pair of you just speaks volumes to how much you both bring to the conversation. Yeah, and I think something that you just said is actually true for Pilates teachers in general, which is that they do know enough. And if they don't know enough, they certainly have the capacity to learn whatever it is they need to learn. Not everybody needs to go to physiotherapy school to get the information that they need to work with the clients in front of them. That's what we really find with our students is that as they come with us along this journey, we have a lot of students in our coursework who have been with us since basically since the beginning, and they really change and they really grow and they really learn a lot and they surprise themselves. And it is totally within the capacity of every Pilates teacher to learn what they need to know. Excellent. That's just really well said and important. Everybody doesn't have to have their new specialty or their new brand. You can just be really good at what you do, which is teaching Pilates. And that is so effective and so special. And it helps people. Yeah, it really helps people. It really helps people. Yes. Yeah. I, Because that bit of advice that I just talked about was given to me about 15 years ago, and I know for a fact that I haven't stopped learning for one day since then. So I knew there was still lots to bring together, and there still is, but it was enough to continue working with. I like it. Us too. We're always in the classroom. Absolutely, Bruce. Absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you both today, and I know many participants who absolutely can't wait for your workshop presentations coming up at the conference in September. Thank you so much for your time. We look forward to seeing you at the live presentations in September. Okay, we'll see you there. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks so much, Bruce. There is a membership category for every Pilates enthusiast, where the Alliance provides a wide range of information, resources, and support for everything you want to know more of with Pilates. Help us expand the message of the PAA by sharing with your network of friends and colleagues today so that the Pilates community can continue to be a vibrant and inspiring network for everyone's benefit. You can become a member today by visiting the links in the show notes. For existing members, join us on the PAA Member Forum Facebook page where you'll find an ongoing supply of resources and conversations to continue supporting you and your participation and involvement in the many levels of Pilates here in Australia. The Pilates Alliance Australasia only exists because of the contributions of the Pilates community. If there's a topic or a conversation you would love to share on the podcast, then we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Pilates Alliance podcast. Please leave your comments on the Pilates Alliance Members Forum Facebook page. And remember, for anyone who is yet to become a member, we'd love to have you put your voice forward for the benefit of progressing Pilates here in Australia.